If you know me, you know that I love pro sports. I love nearly all sports. Growing up in New York, one of the things that tied me and all of my friends together was not only being latchkey kids, but playing sports, whether it was football on the street, basketball in the park, or hours and hours spent playing 2K, Madden, live, and just spending so much time trying to beat one another. And, you know, I've been here at BitMart for almost five months. Yay, go me. And it is about time we start talking about things that I want to talk about. Me, what I want. Which is why my beloved corporate overlords at BitMart have given me and my good friend, Nathan Simone, another podcast. Welcome to the minor leagues. you know anything about me, Matt, you know that I love freedom. I love technology. I love interesting new things that are going on. I like new ideas. I don't like being kind of stuck in the same paradigm. But interesting thing, I don't know a lot about sports. So the reason why I called this show The Minor Leagues, and that's minor with an M-I-N-E-R, as in Bitcoin mining or proof of work mining, although we're not focused on that, is because you know a lot about sports. I trust that you know a lot about sports. I know a pretty good amount about crypto. I hope that you trust that I know a pretty good amount about crypto. Certainly. I feel like we can complement each other, yin-yang, and maybe together, we can move on up to the major leagues, okay? How does that sound? Sounds great. Yin-yang party, my man. But you do talk about, you know, you're, you're a neophyte in terms of sports now as adults. But growing up as a kid, you went to Cleveland uh, Guardians games. You went to Atlanta Braves games. You spent a lot of time at the ballpark as a kid. And what was the thing that got you into sports for that brief period? Was it just being, you know, your dad gave you a mitt one day, you know, Nathan Elrond, uh, Quidjibo, Simone the Third, told you, <laughs> my boy, this day, one day this glove will pay off for you. You will do a radio show on the internet with a guy you barely know from work. A guy that I've never met in real life, and for all I know, <laughs> this could have just been a dream. This could be an inception put on this entire time. No, Matt, it was not um, that simple. My dad is actually not really a sports guy as well, although he watches college football now um, from time to time. It's interesting, growing up in Ohio, so first of all, you mentioned the Cleveland Guardians. They have only been the Guardians for a year or so. Um, I know that much, even though I'm out of the sports world. When I was growing up, they were the Indians. It was all about Chief Wahoo, that deep red, um, interesting colors, it just... But growing up in Ohio, which is, I think, very typical of the Midwest, it was a sports place. It was, and so I, I, I knew about sports. Um, the sport on my street, I lived on one street in a kind of exurb of Cleveland, which is farther away than the suburbs. I, on this one street, I would play baseball with kids and I would go play in the woods. And those are basically the two activities from the before times when there was no internet, there were no smartphones, there was barely even an N64 or anything like that. So I kind of grew up with kids that they were going to play baseball 
they taught me what a baseball was. They gave me a mitt. I think I like one of my neighbor friends like gave me his old mitt. And then of course, you know, when your dads are like done with work or something like that on the weekends, they'll take you to a baseball game if they're a decent father. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I grew up around a bunch of kind of amazing dads that I got to go to Cleveland Indians games at the time, um, which was also Jacobs Field at the time in, in downtown Cleveland. And it was just, I don't know. It's, I always think of baseball as the most American sport. And I'm, I've never really parsed out why I think that. Um, but the only other times that I've been kind of into baseball was also during high school where I grew up in Georgia. During high school, I would go to Braves games at the old Braves stadium, which was in downtown Atlanta, because you could get tickets for like $6 or something like that. And it wasn't about watching the baseball games. It was more about, you know, socializing. You could get girls to go with you, things like that. But I, I'm interested in that question that I brought up, Matt. I have always thought of baseball as like the most American sport. Personally, to me, more American than football. Why do you think that is? Or like, I'm interested in your thoughts on that because I know that you're a huge baseball fan. Well, um, baseball is our first real spectator sport. And it's the first real sport outside of boxing in this country that captured the imagination of millions of people. Football was a nascent game towards the dawn of the 20th century, and it was so focused on the college game that it really wasn't able to make headway nationally 30, almost 40 years into its existence as a, as a professional league. Um, and, the, and the MLB has been around longer. They, you know, the World Series has almost a 20-year 20 uh, year advantage on any NFL championship game. The NFL has been around since 1920, and the first World Series was in 1907. Pardon me. 1907 was the first World Series. Wow. And even going back to it, I have watched an inordinate amount of Ken Burns' baseball in my lifetime. <laughs> And there's always been, there were always like these major clubs and going back into the late 19th century, the American League has existed in some form or fashion for almost two centuries. Uh, the same thing with, well, over a century and a half at this point. Same thing with the National League. There was the Players League. Like there always have been professional leagues and baseball was a more accessible game. All you needed was a bat, a mitt, even sometimes not even needing a mitt and something that would resemble a ball. And baseball could be played in many forms. You know, in New York, when, you know, growing up, we would hear, you know, we were two or three generations removed from the stickball, you know, playing the, in the streets of Brooklyn, playing stickball. We were more, we played football more at the time because football was a lot easier to play than stickball on a small, narrow residential street in South Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> But baseball resonated with people for such a long time. And then in 1958, everything started to turn. Because football, this boom period started with the 58 championship game between the New York Giants and the Baltimore Colts. That game on television was the first championship game ever to go to overtime. So it garnered a lot of interest, got a lot of people watching the sport and the personalities in the league, coupled with Pete Rozelle becoming the commissioner of the National Football League in 1960, the advent of the American Football League starting in 1960, 
You know, the player war, the the development of a guy named Joe Namath at quarterback, the real parity between the leagues, and just the rise of television and the rise of color television. Seeing these games in big, bright colors, being able to facilitate this level of competition, baseball over time just could not catch up and the game would not evolve. Baseball now is making up for, I would say, 30 years of stagnant growth in terms of the game itself. Uh, you know, you had the 90, you had the late 90s home run boom, but really after that, there wasn't significant progress. The games got slower. The personalities got a little less popular and less liked. The salaries were out of control. So it created this whole convex, you know, with the economics of it. And other sports just caught up. Basketball in the United States now. I consider basketball the number one, two, number two sport behind pro football. They, they, I would maybe even number three behind college football, in terms of the personalities, the amount of money, and the amount of interest. People stop what they're doing to watch LeBron James play basketball. No one stops to see Mike Trout nationally <clears throat> play baseball, and that's not a knock on Mike Trout. It's a knock on the game of baseball. I was about to say, who is Mike Trout? <laughs> he plays for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He's the best player in baseball. He plays with the second best player in baseball, Shohei Otani, who pitches at a Cy Young level and hits dingers like Babe Ruth. He is the best two-way player since Babe Ruth, who before he broke the home run record and got really, really fat, he was an ace for the Boston Red Sox, winning World Series with the Boston Red Sox in the early 20th century before moving over to the Yankees and just primarily being known as the babe. So that proves your point, Matt, is that I don't even know the names of the first and second most famous and best players in baseball. Whereas like, I do know LeBron. Um, I was trying to think of, I do know Tom Brady. So like to prove your point there in a way, because we also have to route this back to crypto and we have to route it back to, we are not an American based show. You and I are American, but we try and take, and I think sports, I think this is fair to say, even as a non-sports person myself, sports are probably the biggest industry in America and then maybe Europe because soccer is the worldwide, the worldwide sport um, as an industry, I mean. So this kind of proves my point that I know somebody like Tom Brady, even though I don't watch football at all. Of course, I know somebody like LeBron James because he is an ex-Clevelander, although maybe is he back there now? Is no, he? He, he is a Los nope. Angeles Laker. He has been a Los Angeles Laker for a few years. Shows how much I know. I do know he was a Clevelander at one time. But my point is, I recognize those names to your credit because football and basketball are obviously more dominant in the cultural landscape than baseball, even though we've kind of gone on this tangent about how baseball is this amazing American sport. I don't even know Mike Trout and the other guy that you mentioned. And this is kind of similar to crypto in the fact that you might have people that they're getting into crypto, or even they've been in crypto a couple of years. And if you say, this is going to be an old joke that goes across all our shows. If you say, yeah, I'm really into Cardano because Cardano has amazing NFTs, there are still people that would be like, what is Cardano? And you go, go and look on CoinMarketCap. It's the number six coin. It's got billions of dollars behind it. But if you don't know, you don't know. And you kind of you look at people funny when they don't know what Bitcoin is or they've never heard of Ethereum. But if you start saying, you know, um, 
have you heard of Polkadot or have you heard of Cardano or have you heard of Chainlink? You kind of forgive them because even though these are top projects, they're just not dominant in the narrative of crypto. And that's kind of what I want this show to focus on is that, like I said, me and you are American. We're going to talk about American sports, but the way we've tried to route it is we're trying to kind of discuss, similar to our Byte series, two great American stories where sports are intersecting with crypto, and then two great international stories where sports are intersecting with crypto. And I know that I'm going to learn a lot from just, just you explaining why this is important in sports or the sports context. And then I hope you and the listeners will also learn a lot to where I can intersect why it's interesting that crypto is going in here. And sometimes it won't be interesting. Sometimes it'll just be redundant. But I think it'll be a good, interesting show as sports and crypto kind of grow together in this new way. So that's what I got for you right there. And we're going to run through a couple of stories this week in our in our pilot episode. And we'll get things started with the National Football League. We talked about it. It's one of the biggest sports in the world. It's the biggest sport in the United States. But Dapper Labs and the NFL partnering together on NFL All Day, a, a thing that has been booming in the crypto space uh, since, it, since a soft launch back in February, Nathan. And... Right now, it's taking the NBA Top Shot model that worked really well for Dapper Labs and curating it for the NFL experience. And there's some really interesting data that's coming out about that that I covered. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this, uh, the idea of doing video NFTs acting as a collectible. Yeah, I think, did we, we might have covered this story on Bytes because it was a pretty big story, but refresh my memory. This is where like, you're going to get an NFT and it's going to be a video NFT of like a historic touchdown, a historic play, something like that. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I, okay. I totally remember this. I think it is an, it is an amazing idea because even if you're not a sports fan like me, um, video, just like photos, is very attractive to the human mind. And when you're talking about supporting your team, supporting a player, uh, putting history into it, being able to quote unquote own that um, piece of video as an NFT that formerly would just, you know, exist in the public domain on YouTube or would be like in the National Football Hall of Fame. Um, I'm wondering if the ownership is actually going to transfer to the person because that would make these quite expensive. Like I'm trying to think about if you go to the uh, the National Football Hall of Fame or Baseball Hall of Fame, where they have some of these video archives that have been on Reel to Reel or VHS or now digital media. I, I'm, I'm interested to know if they're transferring the full ownership to you on this NFT or if it's like a really significant bragging right in the same way that um, Wayne Gretzky has a couple of jerseys, maybe even a dozen, but you can own one of 12 or one of 10. So you don't, you're not owning the shirt off of a celebrity's back and you're not you're not this. So I'd have to know more, more about that. But just the general trend of video NFTs, I think is going to be very cool because people like owning videos. It's, it's the reason why VHS tapes, DVDs, even buying stuff digitally exists. It's just, it's very attractive to the human mind. I think I just have to get, get that. Yeah. And with an average price 
Uh, that's not that expensive, but the highest price. Do you want to guess what the highest price on NFL All Day is right now for an NFT? I would like to guess. Um, can you give me a range? Uh, it is under $100,000. Interesting. Was not expecting that. <laughs> um, uh, I will go with the top one is going to be, gosh, because I'm thinking of like historic touchdowns, passes, fumbles, like anything, that sort of thing. I'm going to go with 75K. You are incorrect. It is actually $42,000 for Brett Favre's heroic performance against the Oakland Raiders. A come-from-behind victory, a dominant performance, actually, from Favre in the early 2000s following the passing of his father. It is one of the most popular, most talked-about NFL regular season moments of the last 30 years, and that is currently $42,000. Another one, a Tom Brady uh, NFT, a legendary NFT, one of number 29. There's not a lot of them. Uh, It is currently going for $27,998. You know, I mean, this just gets into the broader field of sports collectibles, Matt, because you recently did a Finimize seminar. Yes, I did. Uh, I'm sorry, a Finimize panel where you showcased that you had a Mookie Williams signed card. Is that correct? Yes, I, I can yes. show it to you right now. Uh, if you haven't seen it, if you're not watching the video version, this is you know, if you're listening to the podcast, it's lost on you. But this is my Mookie <laughs> Wilson card. It is autographed by the Mook. And it Mookie is, Wilson, gosh, I said Mookie Williams. Okay, I still have so much to learn. Can you, can you, can you tell people? Uh, you tell? I, I don't expect you to know who was in the outfield for the Mets in 1986. Sure, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Jerry, yes, Jerry Lewis played left field for the Mets in 86. So Mookie Wilson. Okay, yes. going, going back to my point here of – and sports collectibles have been a thing since sports has existed, similar to how celebrity collectibles um, have been a thing since the concept of celebrity has been around. I think the digital transition to them will be a 50-50 split because, you know, I collected baseball cards when I was a little kid, Matt. I have no idea what happened to them. I probably could have cashed them all out and bought some Bitcoin on the cheap a couple of years ago. Um, and then me and you would have like a sports uh, sports digital asset company. We'd be billionaires, but that's in an alternate timeline right now. We have to live in this timeline. I, I remember the physical, the physical sensation of having a baseball card, looking at the stats, which were, were always meaningless to me and frankly are still meaningless to me, but getting able to see <laughs> the photo and it's nice and it's glossy. Some of them are holographic. Um, there's that physical sensation to it, almost kind of like the difference between an ebook and a real book. It depends on how much you like that thing. But when they're transitioning, when sports is transitioning to only having digital collectibles about certain things, and they deal with a celebrity like Tom Brady or LeBron James, I'm not sure if it's going to matter that there's no physical equivalent because so much of our lives are digital that having like a Mookie Wilson physical card at some point in the future, this may be very far in the future, maybe five years in the future. I have no idea. It may almost be seen as a liability because it's easier to lose. I've thought about that before, but I don't know, maybe with Gen Z or even our generation millennials, 
it just physical sports collectibles will not be seen as having more value in some way. That's a very interesting question that I'm now pondering. I don't know. I think I think that what we're seeing with Warner Media and the merger there and the loss of physical media uh, is a big problem, and it will be a big part of that. To be completely honest with you. And I think that that's why, you know, trading cards and autographed, like things that can be tangibly autographed by an athlete or by a mm-hmm. celebrity will always have value and always exist. And also, like, we, you know, we don't live in the metaverse. We live in the actual world. On my wall opposite the camera is a Wayne Gretzky jersey that belonged to Gretzky, was in his locker, never wore it from the 1987 Canada Cup series where he and a bunch of the greatest hockey players of all time played some of the greatest Russian hockey players of all time. So that is my most valued possession. That is the thing. I was, I was just about to say. Outside range, of... Range of what that's worth. I don't want you to say yeah. the exact amount because I don't want I, people to figure I, out where a you couple, live. <laughs> a couple grand, I would assume. It, this was a gift okay. given to me by somebody. Um, that and my signed Andy Kaufman action figure, which is signed by Lynn Margulies, signed by Bob Zamuda, and signed by Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, not signed by Andy, obviously, because he's still in hiding, wink, wink. Uh, but... <laughs> I was going to say, how do we know that it was Bob Zamuda and not actually Andy? I, well, I interviewed Bob Zamuda and Lynn Margulies like over a decade ago. And you're sure he wasn't Andy? He's dead, but wink, wink, wink. I'm fairly sure. I, I'm fairly <laughs> sure it was Bob and not Andy. If it was Andy, I might have a stroke. Um, but when it comes to tangible, again, like game-worn jerseys are always going to be valuable because of the implied value that it belonged to them. It is a direct physical connection. And talking about like, making fun of Cardano, making fun of Polkadot, going back to that earlier conversation. And I'd love to wrap with this uh, because we do have other podcasts we have to... It's been it's a busy day here for your boys on the podcasts. Uh, when it comes to... And I talked about this in my Finimize uh, panel and shout out to the team at Finimize. You can actually listen to that on the NFT 101 podcast uh podcast feed and also on our youtube channel shout out to nathan for getting that up there uh it'll be linked in the show notes for this episode sports and nfts share a lot of the same properties in terms of being a part of something bigger than yourself and hope and tying your hopes to something because when you take a look at the doge boom of 2021 when you take a look at people practically bowing at the altars of BAYC, cryptids, all these other NFT platforms. It's a, it's not only a status symbol, it allows them to feel a part of something. And over the past couple of years with what's been going on in the world, it has not been easy to feel a part of something bigger than yourself because we're mostly all in our houses. But when you look at the ability to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And also, if it hits and enough people believe, not only will you get that validation, but you'll get a payout for it. It's got an extra step to it that sports doesn't have. But, you know, it's basically buying merch for your fandom. 
when you're buying anything, when you're buying an NFT, when you're utilizing any of that stuff, you are you are becoming a fan. You're becoming an uh, evangelist for that thing. Yeah, I think it's interesting, Matt, and I I, I will try and wrap this up because, like you said, we've got a busy day at the studio here. <clears throat> you know, it's a good problem to have, but we definitely do have a busy day here. Um, if you like this pilot episode, definitely tell us. We want to expand it out. We'll have to film this and do it on a different day so it doesn't interfere with our other stuff. But to to wrap things up, Matt, what you said about wanting to feel a part of something, and I think there's also an allure to sports, because you made me think of Bitcoin specifically when you said this. I think there's an allure to sports that you know, the world is so crazy, socially, politically, technologically, like there's just always so many things and they're always in flux. You can see that, you know, the world that your parents or your grandparents grew up in, it just no longer exists, even if you want to participate in that sort of world. But there are some things that are still the same, right? You can go to a baseball game and no matter what's happening, it's like three strikes, man, and you're out. Like that's, that hasn't changed in I don't think since, since the start of baseball, but you'd be the one to tell me that it's at least been multiple, multiple decades. Um, you know, if you don't, if you don't pass the football after the fourth down in football, you have a turnover on downs and that can be real bad for the opposing team to start winning. There's just certain like almost immutable laws that you can go to these games. They're really, really old games and you can feel a sense of continuity and belonging to something. And it made me think of Bitcoin specifically because people criticize Bitcoin because they say it never changes, it doesn't move, you can't do this, you can't do that, but they miss the point of what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin isn't really supposed to change unless there's an overwhelming consensus that's supposed to change. It's supposed to be the hardest form of money that humans have ever invented. It's a technological innovation like the world has never seen before. It is an iteration many, many decades in the making that finally came to fruition in 2008. If it were to change, if it were to do all these things that other projects are trying to do, it would no longer be Bitcoin, it would be something else. People can do that, they already make these different projects. But in a world that's so crazy digitally with inflation, technology, stuff like that, Bitcoin is almost kind of like baseball or football or this tradition that you can, when you buy Bitcoin, when you hold it, when you use it, when you do things, you can trust that what you're doing, it's rock solid. It's not going to change. It is a, you can be a part of that and have confidence that many, many decades in the future, it's probably going to be the same. That's what it was designed for. And that is why it is so interesting. So you made me think of that when I thought about not just being a fan of a team, because teams change all the time and they can go out of business, but the fundamental sport, baseball, football, soccer to some degree, I'm trying to list off sports that I know anything about. They don't really change. And so they can link people through generations, time, things like that over a shared common interest. So that may be a good way to end it, um, unless you have a, a further comment there. But um, we're going to host this on both of our streams, actually, since it's a shared show. Hey. We're going to host this on NFT 101 and Crypto Conversations. Matt, final comments. Can't wait to do more of these episodes. Can't wait to dive a little bit deeper. Can't wait to have some guests here on the show. 
And as we get closer and closer to the start of all the major regular seasons, and as we get closer to the playoffs in baseball, you will be getting a blood pressure check from me every week on the show as the Mets get closer <laughs> and closer to making the playoffs and giving me Ajit. I'm actually going to the game on Wednesday, Mets versus Dodgers. So uh, everybody just follow me on Twitter at Matt Ryan yells to watch me break down in really, really, really nice seats. Matt, remember, deep breaths, walking, <laughs> and some cool ice water, okay? We don't want you to keel over on the show. We want you to get guests here. I think that this is going to be a really interesting thing because we're going to be able to get sports people and crypto people if, if, we, can, if we can shoulder the workload, okay? We have a lot going on here at BitMart, but when you've got a team like this, all glory to Matt Ryan right here, we... <laughs> We can, we, can, we can potentially move mountains. So this will probably be the last content series that we're creating in a while. We've got our hands full with a whole bunch of stuff, but it's gonna be an interesting one. I'm interested to learn about sports. Matt, I hope, is interested to learn about crypto. And the intersection of them is where all of you come in. So please stay tuned. Like I said, this is going to be put on both of our podcast streams, NFT 101 and Crypto Conversations. So see you in the next episode. Thank you.